Sorry, guys. Let me get set up here. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to say, it's really great to see Jared leading worship. Um, yeah, man. And Allie was just in high school when I was here. Now she's up here. That's crazy, bro. Um, so, yeah, I'm not Pastor Carl. Um, he's actually, yeah, yeah I'm not going to, you said that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that, Pastor Carl. He said that about your hair. Um, he's actually on his way. He's in Utah when he just texted me. I want to tell you guys he loves you, and he misses you, and he'll be back. Looks forward to seeing you guys next week. Uh, he's driving back with Wyatt uh, from, from his graduation. So uh, I am Jeff Copeland. I am the teaching pastor at the Garage Church in Fresno, led by uh, Patient Matadi. Hopefully you guys remember Patient. Um, and I have the privilege and opportunity to uh, talk to you guys on Mother's Day about God's sovereignty. Very appropriate topic, as you can see, how they go together. Um, I do want to say happy Mother's Day to everybody, not just biological mothers, but people who have the heart of a mother. Um, as I'll talk about at the end of my sermon, my wife struggled to actually have a baby. So I know people go through that. So even if you're not a biological mother, this is still your day. I want to make that clear. Um, so, Pastor Carl is very brave and a little crazy for doing a series on God's sovereignty. Like, pastors don't do that. I want you guys to be aware of that. This is a, when I heard he was doing this, I was like, you're, okay, you're nuts, bro. Like, who does that? But uh, we met, we talked about the whole series. I'm excited for you guys to hear the whole thing. On Control Freaks, I am doing the second uh, part of this series, which is going to be on the book of Job, which another, I mean, I thank you, Carl, for giving me <laughs> one of the most difficult stories in the entire Bible. I think he planned this, like, he's, oh, I'm, I'm going to be out of town, sorry, you got to, anyway, um, so I'm going to be talking about Job, uh, specifically God allowing limited evil in his life to show that he's sovereign over evil, Okay. Uh, next week will be a great story, The Man Born Blind. Carl will be talking about that. Um, the crucifixion of Christ and God's sovereignty that allowed Jesus to actually be afflicted. Feeding the multitude. Okay, and then the exodus and crossing the Red Sea. Oh, and then Joshua and Israel. So anyway, let me get to my sermon. Um, but that's what you have to look forward to coming up in this series. It's going to be a great series. Like I said, I'm excited for you guys to hear it. So Carl talked about last week the definition of sovereignty, which I love, is God's right and power to do all he decides to do. So that's what sovereignty means. God has the right and power to do basically what he wants to do. He will get it accomplished. It will happen. A verse from Job, but he is unchangeable. Who can oppose him? He does what he desires. God is going to do what he wants to do. Now, if all we had to deal with was God's sovereignty, this would not be a great existence. Because he would just be like a jerk in heaven doing whatever he wants. But luckily, he also has this thing called providence, which means that God and what he does is benevolent, good, and grace-filled. So God's sovereignty is actually governed by his providence. 
He's not that he can do whatever, not just that he can do whatever he wants, but he's also good. He also wants what's best for us, which is really important. Now, the story of Job, like I said, it is one of the most difficult stories in the whole Bible. I remember reading it as a kid and being like, I'm never reading this again. This is crazy. I mean, a lot of people who don't follow Jesus don't follow him because of a story like Job in the Bible. I can't believe that God would do this. And uh, no, I'm not wanting anything to do with that. If you're not familiar with the story, we're going to walk through the whole thing. It's 42 chapters. I'm not going to read all 42 chapters. We'd be here till nine o'clock. I know you guys got to get the Mother's Day lunch and stuff like that, as do I. But we are going to go through the whole story, summarize it, and try to get the key points of the story. One of them being, if God is good and sovereign, why is there pain and suffering in this life? I've heard this question so many times. I've often asked this question. If God is actually good and able to do stuff, why does bad things happen in our lives? And I don't have an answer. You have to ask God that. But based on what I've read in the Bible and and studied and, and experienced, I would say that in his sovereignty, God saw that this reality with pain and suffering is the best possible scenario for love and life. Now, if I was God, I wouldn't do it this way, but I'm not. In his sovereignty, he was able to look at all the reality, all the possibilities, and he determined that this was the best case scenario for love and life to be possible, to allow pain and suffering, as we're going to see in the story of Job. So again, God allowed limited evil to show his sovereignty is full of grace because of the blessing. So two goals that we have in this story that we hope to learn today that we're going to walk through. Uh, Number one, to prove to the devil the faithfulness of his people. This is one of God's goals in the story. Number two, to show Job that his sovereignty is in fact full of grace. So hopefully these two things come across in this message. Uh, Let's go ahead and jump into it. If you have a Bible or a digital one or physical one, you're going to want to just be turned to Job. We're going to be just going through the whole thing. We'll be jumping, not jumping around, but we'll be going through it very quickly from back front to back so uh just to start out okay so i wish somebody would talk about me like this this is amazing so there was a man in the country of Uz named job he was a man of complete integrity who feared god and turned away from evil he had seven sons and three daughters his estate included seven thousand sheep and goats three thousand camels 500 yoke of oxen 500 female donkeys and a very large number of servants. Of course, he needed all this wealth to take care of 10 kids. I'm, I'm about to have one, and I'm like, I don't know how am I going to take care of this kid. He had 10, but he's, luckily he's very wealthy. But the thing that he's known for is that Job was the greatest among all the people of the East because of his integrity. He is known as a good person. He's one of the few people in the whole Bible that's talked about, like, no, he's a good dude. Even God says he's a good dude. We're going to read that. Right now. So there's this meeting that happens in heaven. Okay. And uh, all these spiritual beings show up, angels and cherubim and all these different people show up to meet with God. And the devil also attends the meeting. And God's like, oh, Satan, hey, man, where you been? And Satan's like, oh, you know, I've been walking around the earth, you know, destroying people's lives. Typical Tuesday, ruining the world. You know what I do. And God says, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, 
a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. Now, I want to stop right here and point out it was God's idea. It was God's idea to suggest to the devil to attack Job. The devil didn't come with the idea. God came with the idea. I, God, please don't ever suggest me to the devil. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have it, man. I'm not, I'm not like that. Please. I, it, it's amazing. Now, I want to point out that part, the reason why God is doing this is, is to remind us that we are not the center of the universe, which is hard to believe. I, I, I struggle with this. I think I'm the most important person in the world, but there are actually other beings that God has to contend with. Now, again, he is sovereign. What he wants to do is ultimately going to get accomplished. But along the way, there are other beings besides humans that God is actually dealing with on a regular basis. So this reminds us that things are much bigger than us, much bigger than us. It's important to remember that. So the devil hears this and goes, well, the only reason that Job is cool with you is because you're protecting. My guarantee, if you removed your protection, he would curse you to your face. And God says, bet. He doesn't say that. I'm paraphrasing. But essentially, he's like, all right, fine. Let's, let's see. I'll remove the protection. You cannot hurt his life. You can't touch Job himself. But everything else, go ahead, Satan. Satan's like, all right. He leaves. And I mean, just the worst of things happened to Job. All of his sheep and oxen and all that stuff, all of his wealth is taken away. Raiders come and steal everything. And all seven of his kids, 10 of his kids, are eating in one of the kids' house. A giant wind comes through, destroys the house. They all die. In a moment, he loses his wealth and his future line to inherit the wealth. So his kids and his money, his possessions, are gone. Things that we hold very dear in our culture, right? If I lost my job and my kids and my, my stuff, I'm hold, sir, God, wait. No, this is not okay, right? This is Job's response. Then Job stood up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshiped. It's not how I would respond. Saying, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, No, I'm sorry, like, I would not respond this way, but it's important to note that Job does not sin in his pain. It's a very important thing for us to realize. He does not sin. And all the stuff that's happened to him that he did not deserve, he doesn't sin. But it gets worse, man. This is the, this is the hard part. So there's another meeting in heaven. Spiritual beings pull up. God's there. The devil comes in and, and God says this. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. He still retains his integrity, even though you incited me against him to destroy him for no good reason. Now, when I saw that line, I was like, wait, God, there's no good reason for all this suffering? What is going on? You're just letting this happen and you don't have a good reason for it? Now, that line might suggest that this is all arbitrary, but I promise you God has a point to all of this. We'll see that in the end. Okay? 
And the devil says, well, again, the only reason he hasn't cursed you is because you're protecting his life. If you took that away, I guarantee you, he would turn his back on you and curse you to your face. And God says, bet. You, can, you can't kill him, but you can touch his body. Devil's like, all right. He leaves and he inflicts all these horrible boils and sores all over Job's body. So now he's lost his health. He lost his wealth, his kids, and now his health. Things that we all rely on. They've all been taken away from Job. Now, we have to fight to believe that God is actually good. Especially when all these things that we actually worship besides God, our health, our wealth, our kids, possessions, when those things are taken away, we have to fight to believe that God is actually good. Because how can he be good if we take these things that we love away from us? So Job's wife says, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. What is wrong with you, Job? He's done this stuff to you. You don't deserve this. Why are you still cool with him? And Job says something that I would never say to my wife. You speak as a foolish woman speaks. I would never, I would never say that to you, babe. Okay? Um, the next part I might say, okay, but that first part, mm, that's, you're crazy. Um, should we accept only good from God and not adversity? Through all of this, Job did not sin in what he said. Should we accept only good from God and not adversity? Man, to be able to say that in the midst of pain, I don't, I'm not that guy. When things are not going my way, I'm like, I don't want to accept the adversity. But maybe Job is on to something here. Maybe he realizes something that's so important that we struggle with today in our culture. For some people, it's hard to believe that God is actually sovereign. If he's so powerful, why is he letting this stuff happen? For some people, it's hard to believe his goodness. If he's good, why is he letting this stuff happen? We have to fight to believe both. We have to fight to believe that God is in fact sovereign and he is good. We have to get that now before we get into the trouble. Now, faith is just a theory until it's tested. Okay, it's really, really easy when everything is going good and other people are suffering. Hey, man, listen, God has a plan. It's going to be okay. You know, these things happen, man. You just got to have faith. I'm going to go back to my comfort. But you, man, I'm praying for you. Hope it's going to be all right. It's easy to say these things. It's all theoretical. Yeah, I have faith in God. I know all the right things to think and say when bad things happen, but when they actually happen, can we say the same thing? Like literally two weeks ago, I'm preparing for this, for this sermon. I'm a middle school teacher and uh, I get to work and I'm working on my assignment for my kids that morning and the technology is not working. The assignment won't post and I'm like freaking out. God, why would you let this happen? Why are you doing this? Oh, what the heck, God? Oh, I'm like mad at him. I'm banging the table. I'm a grown man. I'm doing this, having a temper tantrum. And then my coworker, who's only been teaching for like a year, comes in. She's like, oh, she fixes it real quick. And I was like, oh, man. Faith is just theory until it's tested, huh, God? I had to learn that the heart. And that was something small. So when really big things happen, can we really actually have our faith that's not just theoretical? Can we trust in God's sovereignty in those moments? Now, 
The rest of the story, which is a lot of chapters, Job has these three friends. They come to see Job. I mean, listen, everybody in the town's heard about what happened. You happened to Job. He lost everything. House got tore up. Kids is gone. Lost all his money. He's got, he looks ugly. He's bald headed. This is horrible. Bald people are not ugly. Let me make sure I make that clear. Okay. But uh, Job was struggling. Job did not look good. Okay. So he has these three friends that come to see him. And instead of comforting Job, they start accusing him. The only way that this could be happening to you is if you did something wrong. You must have done something to deserve this, Job. This mic is not working. I'm so sorry, guys. Anyway, you had to have deserved this. There's no way that all this have happened to you and you didn't do anything wrong. And Job is saying, no, I promise you, like, I did not sin. I haven't sinned. I've sacrificed for my kids. Like, I do not deserve this. I am a man of integrity. I haven't done anything for this. And so Job says this to his friends. He has a conversation with them, and he says this, which is so telling. One person dies in excellent health, completely secure and at ease. His body is well-fed, and his bones are full of marrow. Yet another person dies with a bitter soul, having never tasted prosperity, but they both lie in the dust, and worms cover them. So Job has experienced the wealthiest of wealth. He's lived a great life, and now he's experiencing the opposite of that. And he realizes those are things that we cannot count on. Our wealth, our health, our prosperity, our stuff, our families, like we're all going to end up in the same place. We're both going to die, both the wealthy man and the poor man. So we cannot rely on these things. In fact, the only thing we can hope in is God's sovereignty. The only thing I can actually count on is not my stuff, not things that I think I'm in control of, but it's actually God's sovereignty. I think the last two years should have shown us this. We've, we were in, before COVID, we were out here just having a great time, making money, hopefully, you know, living our lives, thinking this is going to last forever. We're in control. I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. Yes, God, you did bless me with this stuff. But really and truly, I'm the one who has this job. I'm the one who is taking care of myself and and this is all me. This is all going great. And then it was gone. I didn't think we would ever close school. I'm like, they're not going to close the schools, God. I tell my students, they're not going to close the schools. Relax. And then they did. I was like, oh, oh, no. We actually, wow, we're not in control. And it wasn't that we lost control. We never were in control, even before COVID. God just had to show us that the only thing we can hope in is his sovereignty is the fact that he is, in fact, the one in control. Now, this next part I love, okay? God is actually sovereign enough for my complaining. I love this. As somebody who is an expert complainer, my wife will tell you, I love this, okay? So Job says this, and he's, he's, he's done talking to his friends. His friends keep accusing him. He's like, I don't want to talk to you guys. I'm going to actually talk to God directly. And he says this, only grant me these two things, God, so that I will not have to hide from your presence. Remove your hand from me and do not let your terror frighten me. Then call and I will answer or I will speak and you can respond to me. How many iniquities and sins have I committed? Reveal to me my transgression and sin. He's talking crazy. Why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Oh, 
I think I'm missing something. Nope. Sorry. Anyway, so God can handle my complaints. Because God, Job says all this and he's still alive. <laughs> like he doesn't get wiped out in that moment for talking to the God of the universe like that. Answer me, God, what are you doing? I haven't done anything. Tell me, where are you at? And he's still alive. God is sovereign enough for our complaining. He can handle it. Now, I want to make sure you understand, not complaining to everybody who will listen. Don't just go be negative Nancy running around complaining to everybody. That's all you're known for, especially as somebody who claims to follow Jesus. Take it to God. You can complain to him, not everybody else. It's not a good look on you or him. You believe in God and you're always complaining all the time, always negative. Mm, God must not be that great. Take it to him. Job's response is correct, and he's complaining directly to God. Okay? That's the lesson we got to learn from that. God is sovereign enough. The fact that Job survives is evidence of God's grace and mercy. You can, you can complain. You can talk crazy because this is a relationship. God understands. He actually wants us to bring him our complaints and our troubles. So this is, oh, it's beautiful. Now, this is easier said than done. Do not lose our integrity in the midst of our pain. I struggle with this. Like I said, anything goes wrong. It could be the smallest thing. I'm upset with God, and I just might sin. It's not going well. Why am I trying to be a good person? God, you're over here letting these bad things happen to me. Why? No. Do not lose integrity in the middle of your pain. Job says, as long as breath is is in me, and the breath from God remains in my nostrils. My lips will not speak unjustly, and my tongue will not utter deceit. I will never affirm you or write, I will maintain my integrity until I die. I will cling to my righteousness and never let it go. My conscience will not accuse me as long as I live. He, is, he has every right to not be good. <laughs> everything is going bad. He's lost everything. And he says, I'm not going to lose my integrity. We have to learn this. And I think it's important to learn it, like I said, before we go into the trouble. Learn these things now. Do not lose your integrity in the midst of pain. It's so easy to do that. When things aren't going well, you know, I'm just going to go out and just get drunk because this is just horrible. I'm not dealing with this. Don't lose your integrity in the middle of your pain. Hold on. Now, this is the best part of the whole thing. God actually speaks. Now, anytime in the Bible God verbally speaks, it's a big deal. He speaks for four straight chapters over 100 verses. I couldn't get all of it. Obviously, it's way too much. But there's some key points that God says. He's summarizing his sovereignty. He's given his credentials for why he should be respected and listened to and trusted. And there's these few areas that he hits that are so telling and comforting for us. He says this, and this is kind of small. Read it off my phone here. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. I love that God is sarcastic. Like God has sarcasm. Okay? He's talking to Job. Man, you, you're accusing me. Where were you at when I made everything, sir? Excuse me. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning 
or assign the dawn its place? Can you hunt prey for a lioness or satisfy the appetite of young lions when they crouch in their dens and lie in wait in their lairs? Who provides the ravens food when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? Do you know when mountain goats give birth? Have you watched the deer in labor? Can you count the months they are pregnant so you can know the time they give birth? Man, God is not a dictator. So notice the three levels he's talking about. I'm sovereign over the universe, the the stars, the constellations, the sun. I'm sovereign over space and time. I assign the morning and the dawn its place. But then I'm also sovereign over creation. Lions eating, the ravens getting food, mountain goats giving birth. That's intense. He, God cares. He's not just this dictator in heaven giving out orders, just being, and he's not distant. He's not far away. He's so intimately close. He's there when a mountain goat and a deer give birth. That's how much he cares about creation. He's not just sovereign over the big stuff. He's not just some faraway God. He comes in and he's there for these amazing moments. So Job, you can't question me that I'm not good because look at all the stuff I'm sustaining. God is a God of life. He really cares about life down to the ravens. And as he says in the New Testament, we're more valuable than them. And look how much he cares even about every mountain goat and lion and raven and and deer. God is good. He cares. He is not a dictator. He really does value us. This should give us comfort. He's not just controlling to be controlling. He really does have compassion. So God does not question Job's integrity. He never brings that up. He does challenge Job on two levels. He exposes Job, his error in two ways. Number one, Job's lack of knowledge. Job, Job, where were you when I did all this stuff? You weren't there? Okay. And then he's also exposing his inequity with God. Job, you're not me. Okay, you're not on my level. You can complain, you can get mad, but remember who you're talking to. Okay, so even though I said God can handle our complaining, remember who you're complaining to. Always be mindful of that. Hopefully that limits our complaints. You know, God, I'm so, uh, never mind, I forgot. You're, I wasn't there. You, yeah, okay, right? So like many of us, Job forgot to put his suffering in perspective of God's bigger purpose, which is his love and care for all of creation. It's bigger than us. Suffering has this tendency to make us zoom in. Oh, man, what I'm going through is so big. This is horrible. It's the most important thing in the universe. Like, oh, you're so zoomed into what you're dealing with. You forget that things are much bigger than, than us. We've got to zoom out and realize God's sustaining so much. He's doing so much. Not that he's too busy for what I'm going through, but he's sustaining me and everything else. Keep that in mind. It's bigger than us. It's much bigger than us. I mean, the fact that God even answers Job at all (laughs) is evidence of his grace. Job was not entitled to an answer. I don't have to answer you, bro. I'm God. But he actually speaks because he cares. 
okay? And this is Job's reply, and it's, it's very telling. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything, and no plan of yours can be thwarted. Verse 5 is the key. I had heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I reject my words and am sorry for them. I am dust and ashes. Sorry, God, I'm trash. I, I apologize. But that verse 5, I had heard about you. I grew up in church. Okay, I, I'm 33 years old. I've probably been in church for 27 of those 33 years. I've, I've, I've heard a lot about God. I heard that he's good. I've heard that he does miracles. I heard that I've heard a lot about him. But suffering has a way of letting us actually see him and know him for ourselves. Now, in all of this, and what happens is God speaks to Job. He says, you know, puts him in his place. But then Job, I mean, God actually corrects Job's three friends. He says, listen, you guys were talking incorrectly about me. Job did not do anything wrong. I never questioned his integrity, and you guys did. You're wrong. Job, you need to pray for them so that I'll forgive them. Job prays for them, and then God restores Job. He gets more wealth than he ever had before. He gets more kids. His life is actually better than it was before the suffering. But think about this. This is a side note. A man of perfect integrity who suffers something he does not deserve, has to pray and intercede on behalf of sinners. Who does that sound like? So part of God's whole plan for this was to let Job be an image and a shadow and a signpost of the Messiah to come. He's supposed to point us to, man, this sounds crazy. He doesn't deserve this. He's a good man, and he has to intercede on behalf of people who are not good? Huh. Supposed to make us, those of us who know the whole story, who know the New Testament, go, oh, you've been planning this from the beginning, God. Now, it sucks for Job that he had to go through all this to be the signpost to point to Jesus, but that was part of the plan. But here's the key. Job never got an explanation. You read the whole story. There's never a point where God goes, hey, Job, my bad, listen. The devil, he bet me. I had to show him, okay? He, he challenged me. I had to take the protection off you. Let it, I'm sorry. He never explains anything to Job. Job goes through this, suffers, gets restored, lives his life. It's good, but he never gets a why. We have to be okay with not knowing why. So it's going to be really hard for me to get through. I did it first service. I think I can do it this time. My wife and I have been married for six years, going on seven in November, and we spent the last probably two years trying to get pregnant. And we discovered that my wife has a lot of health issues that make it very difficult for her to get pregnant. And so we're trying all this stuff. We're seeing all these specialists. She's taking medicine that's jacking up her body. We're praying. Everybody's praying for us. And then in March 2021, we discover that we're pregnant. Oh, miracle. Thank you, God. We're excited. We're telling all our family. Everything is going great. April 24th, 2021, it was a Wednesday. She goes in for her 12-week appointment. No heartbeat. Baby's gone. 
and we're sitting there like, God, what, what the heck, bro? What, how is this good for us? How can any good come from this? Why would you do? Why would you even let us get our hopes up? You already know it's hard for us to get. Why would you even let us just have it for a month, just to take it away? Why would you do that? There's no way anything good could come from this. How could you even be good if you let this happen? Why would you do this to us? Now, back up a little bit. I've been teaching for nine years, and probably the past three or four years, I felt like God was telling me, you need to leave teaching and do ministry full time. And I was like, but this paychecks is paying my bills. I, the way it's set up, God, I don't think that's a good idea. I'm a, nah, so no, I'm, no thanks. And so we lose the baby and some time goes by. My wife is like, you know what? I really feel like we need to be obedient. You need to start setting up to leave teaching, go to seminary. So I started seminary, I'm getting my master's degree in theology. Um, and eventually you're gonna have to quit your job, we're gonna sell our house, we're gonna downsize, we're gonna go on one income, I'm gonna support you, and we're gonna be obedient and listen to what God is telling us to do. And I'm telling you, I would not do that if we had that child. I'm like, no, we got a kid, we gotta take care of it, you're crazy, we ain't doing that. But I was like, all right, let's do it. We start the process, Christmas morning, 2021, she wakes me up at eight o'clock and she's like, I'm pregnant. And it's like, wow, okay, God. And literally April 25th, 2022, a year after we lost that baby, I'm sitting in the ultrasound with her, my first one getting to see my son. And I'm like, wow. Now that's not an explanation. That doesn't tell me why you did that to us in the first one. It doesn't excuse the pain. But I have to be okay with not knowing why. And the thing is, like Job said, I heard about you, but now I've seen you. I don't know why God did that to us. We may never find out on this side of resurrection why he allowed that to happen. But I can tell you that my wife and I have never been closer We've never been closer to God. I see him in a totally different way because of the suffering. Had we not gone through that, I don't know where my relationship with God would be. So we, I have to be okay with not knowing why because the most important thing is to know him. God wants to be known. Carl said last week that God wants to be known for his mercy. That is true. He wants to be known for many things. His mercy is one of them, his grace, his compassion, his love, his power. Overall, he wants us to know him. There is nothing better than actually knowing him for yourself, not through other people, not growing up in church and hearing about him, but actually knowing him for yourself. And sometimes pain is the only way to do that. It hurts to say that. It still hurts to this day to lose that first one, but I know him now for myself. There's nothing better than that. And a conversation on God's sovereignty has to begin with submission. We have to submit to his, his sovereignty. It's the only thing we can count on. 
It doesn't give us an explanation. It doesn't excuse the pain, but it does show his grace and compassion in it. We have to submit. We have to submit. We may not get a why on this side, but it's okay. Because he's good. He really, he really is. He really cares. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for actually caring about us. Thank you for having a point to our pain, even if we don't know what it is, God. Thank you for loving us enough to give us not just good, but adversity. Thank you for revealing yourself to us so that we may know you, even if knowing you involves pain and suffering, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us mothers on this beautiful day. I pray for all of the celebrations and lunches and brunches and dinners, God, and that we may show them that we appreciate them and love them for who they are. God, thank you for your sovereignty. I pray for the rest of this series, God, that even though it may be difficult, that we may learn that we can trust you and we must submit to your sovereignty. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.